Hey everyone, I just wanted to come on before the episode started real quick to give a quick trigger warning. We do talk about a few difficult topics, including sexual assault, rape, harassment, and our personal experiences with those topics. So if you're uncomfortable with any of those topics, here's your trigger warning now. With that, let's get into the episode. And we're back with another episode of another Picture Show podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm Madeline. And we and have I'm a guest. Katie. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm Katie. Oh, there, eager McBeaver. <laughs> the girls are back and so am I. Yes, we have my sister Katie with us this week. And this is her second time on the podcast, I believe. As if they don't remember. They probably listened to that episode multiple times. They were like, I'm not listening until Katie comes back. Well, now she's back. Our inbox is flooded with Katie requests, so (laughs) we've delivered. So how's everybody doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know. still a pandemic. We're still here, you know? Just just trying to get by, living, I guess. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) <laughs> what a downer response everyone, everyone like, sounds so thrilled so long story short i am depressed uh, <laughs> you want the full explanation i will start with march of 2020 and go from there madeline are you ready to find out what movie we're watching this week considering i'm the only one who does not know yes we're gonna be watching promising young woman oh you know what I haven't seen it. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I, di- I didn't think you had. <laughs> I've clearly heard of it. I've seen the trailer show up on my freaking YouTube like 17,000 times. Yeah, I'm interested, but I never got around to it. So here we are, I guess. Well, now I'm forcing you to watch it. So yay. <laughs> Friendship. Katie, have you seen it? No, I'm, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been like, it's been on my list. I've been wanting to watch it so I'm excited to I'm okay the thing is isn't that like well Madeline doesn't know I don't know if I'm allowed to, to say it I mean you haven't, you seen, haven't it, seen it right? so your guess is that's true no I mean like because I know it's Carrie Mulligan right <laughs> yes yes okay so Carrie Mulligan's lead actress and then there's that a comedian Bo Burnham Bo I'm Burnham. a big fan of Bo him. Burnham's in it and like based on the trailers I'm like I see her being like edgy and kind of scary or whatever and then I see Bo Burnham and I'm like what is the vibe of this film I don't know but I I cannot wait to find out (laughs) yes you will find out I think it's one of those movies that people either really vibe with it or they don't um I'm really excited because I think it it can foster a lot of really interesting conversations so with that uh do you guys have anything else to say before we go watch it and come back let's do this I'm ready. Cool. All right. So with that, we're going to go watch Promise Young Woman, and we'll be back with our review in three, two, one. And we're back. I'm glad I saw the recording sign going because I almost burped into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> really to cover my shit real quick. <laughs> so 
Okay, so this week we watched Promising Young Woman, which is a 2020 American Black comedy thriller written and directed by Emerald Fennell um, in her feature directorial debut. Emerald Fennell um, was an actress in The Crown, if you guys yes. watched The I've Crown. I've never seen The Crown, but I knew that. And she was a showrunner on Killing Eve. A uh, Promising Young Woman, the film is about Cassie, a med school dropout, uh, traumatized by a tragic event in her past, who seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. And it stars Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Clancy Brown, Jennifer Coolidge, Laverne Cox, Chris Lowell, Connie Britton, Adam Brody, Max Greenfeld, Christopher Mintz-Plass, Sam Richardson, Alfred Molina, Molly Shannon, and Steve Monroe. All the people. A All great cast. It like is a, a fantastic cast. When I found out Mr. Krabs was in this movie, <laughs> I was quite excited. Every time he was like Cassie, I'd be like, my brother was like, stop. Um, so the film is, has been nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Picture. Mm. Um, at the time of this recording, we we haven't the. Oscars hasn't happened yet. I'm not sure when it'll be released in regards to the actual award show. So if it wins, that's awesome. We just don't know know it yet. Um, when are the Oscars? Sometime in the end of April, I believe. Oh, cool. I think normally it's fine. Yeah. So there's a lot of award buzz around this film. And once we start talking about it, we'll get into if that's good or bad. Um, the title of this film is in reference to the Brock Turner case where, mm -hmm. you know, Brock was referred to as a promising young man. And that's why he got a very, very lenient sentencing after the sexual assault he did. Um, so with all of that, what were your initial thoughts on the movie? Katie, we'll start with you. Okay. I did enjoy it overall. At the end of it, I was like, yeah, cool. There were, definitely like I felt like it was um I was in and out of it like there were times where I was like really glued to the screen and I was just like really sucked into the narrative and there are other times where I was like I think you lost me like I don't so I was in and out but overall I was like neat okay that's Very fair cool. yeah Madeline this first of all it slapped it was great I watched it twice <laughs> I watched it two days in a row I really liked it Katie, I agree with you. The second time I watched it, I was more, more I guess because I knew what happened, yeah. but I kind of saw like where there are moments where you're just like, why, why was this, what's going on with the scene? There I don't really, some, yeah, some choices were made. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was like a really interesting, like, I guess, metaphor for like so many things and also a really interesting narrative in general is about like sexual assault and about femininity and like feminism in general and like justice in general and like that mm -hmm. sort of stuff so yeah really good I liked it okay interesting um I really 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 like this movie uh, um, I was like I was like is Olivia coming <laughs> in with a hot take the hot take and the big uh, I thoughts hated it uh <laughs> no I I really love this movie I think it's probably my number one film from 2020 hmm. I think hmm. I, I, the first time I watched it, I definitely had that reaction that you guys had the like, I felt like it lost me in some places, but yeah. I definitely think this is a film that um, benefits or rewards multiple viewings. 
because every time I watch it, I get something else or I get like, I just understand kind of what's happening a little bit better. And we've all had instances with men that make us go, men are trash. Um, And so specifically in this movie, there were a lot of things that really resonated with me. And I think the nuances or the nuanced kind of take, you know, avenue that she took with it was really well done and I really appreciate it. So with that, we can probably dive into some more specifics. So I kind of wanted to start with the opening of the movie and work our way through. Um, <laughs> Madeline, you, you have some things to say. <laughs> the beginning of this movie was my one of my favorite fucking parts. Yeah. First of all, I have to say this right off out the gate. The soundtrack of this. Oh movie. my god! Yeah, no, I, I, I wanted oh, to so good. Yeah, I it's... listened. I I watched. I first watched. Okay, it's Wednesday. I first watched this movie on Friday, last Friday, and I have not stopped listening to the soundtrack since. So the uh, the Raining Men, the Charlie XCX, yeah, yeah, Phoenix, yeah. of Boys, unbelievably good. I don't think it was made <laughs> for this movie, but the fact that they put it in, and then like the next shot is like gyrating like men in khakis. <laughs> is amazing like it, it just really sets, sets up like exactly like, what what we're gonna get out of this movie yeah yeah no it definitely paints it like perfect like you only have to watch the first 30 seconds you're like i'm well okay watch the whole thing but like you're kind of like the tone has set it's funny but it's about like just men who wear khakis like it's <laughs> and i loved the shot where it like yeah, it starts out with like the really cool filters like they're all dancing slow and they look really cool and then they like show the real shot where it's like lame as fuck and there's like a bunch of weird work people grinding on each other I, I thought it was so good it was the, amazing uh, the uh it's raining men cover oh yeah so good free in my mind for months yeah since I've watched this movie for the first time I cannot stop thinking about <laughs> angel ain't well first of all uh, I'm sorry. We have to talk about. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Just jump. Gonna I'm, st- I'm. I'm gotta talk about the music. Stars are blind was a brilliant choice for that. I had no idea Paris Hilton made music. <gasps> I love that. Song. <laughs> I, I say what you want about Paris Hilton having a music career. That song is amazing. It was. It, it was brought good. it back it's into my consciousness because I forgot about it. Um, and yeah, I was like, it's definitely oh one of those. Gosh. You hear it and you're like pulled back in time, like you're back in 2003, and you're like, "That's hot." And then you listen to it 500 times. Again, I watched this movie like four days ago, five days ago, and like four of the songs from that soundtrack are already on my Spotify, like on repeat playlist. Oh, I already okay, one. To, I already added them to like the Girls Bridge playlist. So oh, so did I. I think we double added it. <laughs> okay, one song that like is a bop on its own, but then they changed it the toxic version oh, yes obviously i oh, i love toxic like my favorite britney spears song and so just when I, I was just like wow it's stunning oscar right away but i think i saw an interview where they were talking and she was like yeah when i was reading the script like emerald had sent me a playlist and toxic was on there twice so i knew what the movie was going to be about and i was like yes excellent like maybe she had already had the playlist ready to go before the movie was made there's a there was one song is it drinks? it's called it's called something wonderful and it's from the king and i it's, oh. it's oh. when they're burning her body yeah. um and it's sorry spoilers we're jumping ahead a little <laughs> bit but it's when you know the end when they're burning her body and it's a song from the king and i about like this guy it's you know the man is not perfect and he uh does things out of you know 
that aren't always great, but like we love him anyway. It's just I thought it was an excellent Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Absolutely. Thinks of these things. It's like and the final scene, Angel of the Morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, because it's like it's like the perfect song. Because it's like kind of sad. Like you listen to the lyrics, you're like, this is like mad depressing. But the like it's just upbeat enough. And like Mm -hmm. what the scene, like this, how the scene goes down, and like um, Schmidt from New Girl. Right. That's why I only call him Schmidt. Even in this film, I was like, oh, classic Schmidt. Yeah, Schmidt just <laughs> takes off running when the cops show up, like, and, like, Angel of the Morning's playing, like, yes, <laughs> everything, about the, uh, <laughs> everything about the, the soundtrack is brilliant. I think one thing I really like about the soundtrack is a lot of the songs are very poppy and, like, fun and, like, mm-hmm. outside of the context of the movie, people would think, like, they're just frivolous, like, fun songs, but put into the context of the movie mixed with the aesthetic it's like I I can't do anything but well that's what I was like the entire movie the entire aesthetic of the movie is just about feminism to the extreme or like femininity to the extreme yeah where she I wrote down how is her hair so full and luscious what the fuck because like she has the most beautiful blonde like luscious golden hair and she just wears flowers and pinks and like even where she works has all those beautiful little dainty cupcakes. And it's like, it's all these things that it's just like people shit on all the time because it's feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, in real life. Um, But then her character is like so scary. And I just really loved that. I don't know. They were just unapologetically like, yeah, she's a woman and she'll kill you. And it's great. Like you can be strong and weak and Mm -hmm. like, complicated and be extremely feminine at the same time like they didn't I I liked how like her character is very broken throughout the entire movie but instead of you know being the stereotypical like diving into herself and being trying to close herself off from the world and like not take care of herself you know kind of try to get attention away from her she just goes with it and she's like no I like to look cute and I'm I am who I am and I also do all this crazy shit on the side (laughs) but yeah this might sound like kind of a hot take but this is what I noticed the first time watching it was about her like outfits and stuff like and you know anybody can dress how they want but the way she dressed felt very like she's 30 she turns 30 in the movie felt very young like it felt very like you know skinny jeans and like you know the body like whatever what the hell are those like like early 20s, like college. Early 20s, yeah. Like yeah. stuff that I would still be like, am I am I past this point, you know? And like she wears like, again. Ribbons dress in how you want. She wears ribbons. She wears Lots her hair and like a little braid and everything. Yeah. Like she she dresses and like presents herself young in her like off hours. Like in the hours where she's not pretending to be drunk and like, you know, getting pick, picked up, mm-hmm. so to speak, by men. And I think that's kind of her like, subconsciously still stuck in the past like she might have dressed that way mm-hmm. we don't know she might have dressed that way when she was in med school because like they would have been like 23 24 at the yeah. time based on like you know what was said in the movie so like she's still kind of stuck in that that way of dress so she still takes care of herself but she hasn't like advanced as far as like how she looks at herself her interests and yeah her interests or anything like that since that time like it's almost like that trap like her that tragedy struck and like everything around that just like froze yeah and that's kind of how it went it's kind of like her innocence was 
stolen from her, like when this event happened to her and Nina. Um, mm-hmm. And the only way to like hold on to that part of her or stay connected to that time in her life when she was happy with Nina is like to not to not age. To not move on. Yeah. I mean, like that's what people were telling her to do is just move on because everyone else has and she refused. And she forgot but- her own birthday. Like she wasn't even thinking yeah. about time or like you know aging or whatever her parents were like how can you forget your own birthday you're 30 now you know like a lot of that was I think kind of hinting at the fact that like she couldn't like she couldn't move on like she really Mm -hmm. was like and you know rightly so like she really was like stuck on like this really horrible thing that happened to her friend and her um so kind of talking about like her how she's dealing with it currently. Let's go back to the opening scene where we like are introduced to like her plan, how she's how she's dealing with it. So we're, it opens with the the boys gyrating. In the club Love it, literally in khakis, so good. And we're automatically sucked into this this tone of like, okay, we've seen these boys, we know mm-hmm. what this is. I've seen those khakis before. Yep. And then we are introduced to a group of men talking or complaining about a woman mm. at their work who had complained about not wanting to go to a strip club or something for business purposes. And they are super offended by that. And one of the men is um, Adam Brody. Madeline, if you recognize him from Jennifer's body. <laughs> I know, I saw him and I was like, I was like, damn, like he looks so different. Like it took me a minute to like remember who he was. Yeah. And so his friends are, you know, look over and we see Cassie for the first time and she's like super inebriated drunk kind of rolling around very obviously out of it the the guys start talking about wow look at that you know they deserve it or they're asking for it if they you know get that drunken dress like that um and then Adam Brody's character is kind of like made out to be you know the good guy in the group he's kind of like guys that's ridiculous and he goes over and like offers his assistance so at this point in the movie what are we thinking how are we feeling about about this setup I'm already pissed (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm infuriated at the coworkers. And then, I mean, knowing like more or less, like, you know, when you see the trailer, you, you know what it's about. So yeah. like seeing the scene and like seeing the, the nice guy, like roll up to like assist, you're just like, when does this turn? Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming. Like mm-hmm. they're not, and they're not trying to like shy away from it. It's, I think I thought it was like genius. Like, yeah all the choices of like the prominent men in this movie were like, oh, like again, chef's yeah. kiss. Like it says Just the a lot. casting of like Hollywood nice guys or like yes. people that we have come to know as nice, nice men, mm-hmm. you know, every single one of them. It's not the typical, um, oh, Bill Burnham, we'll get to him, but yeah, we'll yeah. definitely, definitely get to each of them, but yeah, starting with Adam Brody. I I personally only know him from Jennifer's Body. So like seeing him in this, I was like, Mm-mm. already <laughs> suspicious. But uh, between the trees. <laughs> oh no, through the trees. <laughs> yeah, I was already suspicious, but like, uh, you know, uh, he's otherwise known as playing really, really nice men. And he was in the OC as like, you know, a nice, nice teenager, I guess. But I think he did a really, really good job being that like initial nice guy role coming up to her offering her help you think like oh he's being genuine but then as the night goes on and and he you know does all the like really small things that eventually lead up to 
an assault happening. Yeah, it right. was very, I thought, I thought it, they did it really well where they're like, look how subtle it is, but also don't you want to just like grab him and be like, what the fuck is your problem? What slayed me was like the cab driver. Like all mm-hmm. the choices in this movie are so real and so relatable because the cab driver obviously clocked that she was blasted because he was like, don't puke on my car, lady. Like I just yeah. got it cleaned. And she's like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And then it's very obvious they're strangers, like uncomfortably so. And when he was like, hey, like my apartment's not too far from here. You want to go? And she's like not giving like a- She didn't answer. She didn't answer. And then he's like, oh, like here's my address. And the cat, like the Uber driver, like didn't give a fuck. Like he was like- the, sh- the ride share driver I should get around in my car blasting uber but the ride share driver was like whatever just put in the yeah just put in the app and it's like oh mm. it's like it's so it's so true like something like that would happen and you would hope that because this dude this man driving clearly recognized she was out of her mind drunk he would step in and be like no we're going to the destination in the app like yeah and then we get to his apartment and he makes her a kumquat liqueur. Oh my god. When I heard that, <laughs> I, I, like, I cackled. I was like, of course. Like, that's all he has left. He's like, what is the strongest percentage liquor I have? And like, kumquat liqueur is probably it just illegal. so freshman year of college. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like, like, we used to drink burnouts in college. And it's like, of course. Like, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> the kumquat burnouts, you know? Um, oh, so nasty. Yeah. Yeah, so then he tries to get her more drunk and then takes her into the bedroom and is, you know, making out with her, saying she's beautiful, as if like, well, okay, back up. When they're on the couch and he's like, you're so beautiful, and then tries to make out with her, as if like, just saying you're beautiful is like, gates open, everything else is, you know, a go. (sighs) Even though she didn't respond to that at all. (laughs) Yeah. All you have to say is you're beautiful and, 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 you know, it's game on. And it was literally like he was kissing a piece of wood. Like she did not <laughs> give back at all. And he was like, my my favorite part was when he was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just like died. And then when he brings her into the room and like she's on the bed and she's pretending to be like, you know, like a rag doll. And he jumps up and he's put his puts his little feet up and he was like, Don't fall asleep. I was like, God. Don't fall asleep. Like you know she's drunk you know she's about to pass out yeah what's not clicking there bro like you know she's like why do you think this is okay just because she's like why is this your idea because she's not fully unconscious that you're like yeah this is fine it's just the thought process it's like you knew she like needed help because she was drunk you knew she had to like get home somehow so you did that at what point did you think like she is not in a good decision-making mode. I'm going to take her home because that's a smart idea. You know these things, yet you refuse to acknowledge that they're bad. Well, the thing is, is like, they don't. In their head, they don't see that it's bad because they don't think of themselves as the predator. You know? That's like what this whole movie is about is like flipping flipping the mirror on those people. The guys that watch this movie thinking it's going to be like this super mega revenge thrasher you know rape revenge thing and yeah, then it's like I... oh but they see themselves in the movie and it's you know that's the thing i i talked to two men in my life both had seen the film and they like in them they were like i didn't really 
align myself with the men in the film. And I was like, oh, well, that's convenient. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Interesting um, point. And I think it's because Emerald, like, met a lot of the men in the film kind of have that, like, fratty vibe mm-hmm. to them. Um, and I think she did that because, like, that is the epitome of toxic masculinity and, like, patriarchy and stuff in our country. And so I found that really interesting when I, like, I watched it and these men were like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the film and, like, I understand, like, what they're saying and it's terrible, but, like, like, I don't really see myself in the film. Mm-hmm. And I, so it's, it's very much just, like, okay, she chose the, like, toxic masculinity, but then she also chose Bo Burnham and, like, he's supposed to be and McLovin. McLovin, and McLovin is literally yeah. the antithesis of a fucking <laughs> frat guy. So like, yeah. not to say these guys like are lying, but like any dude who yeah. saw this and was like, that's not me. I'm like, you are either a Adam Brody, a Chris <laughs> Lowell, a fucking Bo Burnham or a McLovin. Like, <laughs> like, and, like you're in the movie somewhere. You just like have to write, like look in the mirror. You just be like, take ownership of your part in our fucked up society because like you're in there like the the you know point of men not seeing themselves in the movie and like it being a part of the like fratty culture Mm -hmm. um, on college campuses and stuff when I was in college I had to give a speech in a class and my speech was about a hypothetical program that we could implement in the school to reduce rape and sexual assault on college campuses and I opened my speech just straight up saying you know like I was raped to like get people's attention and to like let them know I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, And I gave my speech and yada, yada, it was cool, whatever. One of the guys in my class raised his hand and was like, okay, but like, why do we care about this? If like, if people are going to rape, then like, that's what they're going to do. Basically saying like, basically saying it's only a certain uh, like type of person that, that commits these crimes. The thing is, is the person who raped me was a friend of mine. It's not, the people who commit these things are not people hiding in bushes at night. Like it's, it could be, you know, one of your friends that just like makes a stupid decision and puts themselves in a like circumstance where they're not respecting the other person or they're not thinking about how your actions are affecting the other person. And that's like where this movie really sheds a light on those people who are like, it's not me. I'm not like a bad man hiding in the bushes waiting to drag a woman, you know, behind the dumpster. Like it's your friend. Anybody can be culpable mm-hmm. in these situations. Like even women, like there are women in this movie that are culpable in, in the rape culture that happens and that exists. Uh, not, you're, you know, you're not exempt from it just because you're a woman or because you think that you're a nice guy. It, you know, you have to take a look at yourself and how you might be contributing to the rape culture that exists yeah we kind of talked about the opening a little bit the opening scene with adam brody did you guys think that she had killed him like the first time you watched it like what did you think i did not think he killed him i definitely thought maybe she like beat his ass or like when the scene with mclovin happened like where it like kind of exposed like what she was up to Mm -hmm. that made a lot of sense where it was like i just wanted to like scare the shit out of you and like make you kind of see 
like how stupid you are. I did not think she was a serial killer. When I was telling my brother about the movie though, he did go, oh, is this the movie where the chick goes John Wick on people? And I was like, hmm. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was kinda. both relieved and disappointed that she was not a serial killer. I feel like if she had been a serial killer, it would have made it like cheesy, like John Wick or whatever, you know? Like it, right. I feel like it would have undermined the point of the movie. But then I was also disappointed because I felt like her character has, like, it fulfilled the rage that I have and that, like, all of my friends have and that just women in our country have. Like, she has all the rage and she can do something about it. And so I was like, girl, but then, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but then at the same time, like, it would have, it would have ruined it. Hmm. So I don't know. I was, I was both happy and not. So I'm, as you said, I'm glad she wasn't a serial killer. One, because like when you, when she goes through the notebook, she's like killed, like, well, like she's like hit, like what? there's so many, like <laughs> definitely several hundred like, dudes. Damn. I'm like, you've been at this for a few years, at least. Also, like if she had killed that many people, I would have been like, somebody must stop her. Like, I don't <laughs> like, like this is too far. <laughs> but yeah, she can't keep going to these bars if she's killing people. What made me think, okay. So like I went through a, like a very mu- like not like minor thought process about this where it's like, you know, she's asserting herself like at like, it's very core. She's like, she is not taking like this shit anymore because like it clearly damaged her it definitely damaged Nina her friend Mm -hmm. and she's going to like even if these dudes didn't directly do it they are very much culprits in like the grand scheme of things like in like the grander you know misogynistic experience but like what made me kind of sad watching it when she would do this confrontation like she goes through a whole performance like she really puts in a lot of effort and again the movie's like it's talking more greater about like again the hoops and the efforts that you know women have to go through to be believed and to be you know acknowledged and listened to but like after she confronted character jerry and then like the friend so later on like when she um was leaving the bar with the um one of his co-workers jerry's co-workers paul um he was like oh you're that psycho bitch jerry was talking about and it's like i so I went through something like I did not like get drunk and or pretend to get drunk and like confront a man but like I was like I stood up for myself recently to a man because like he was just being a flat-out fucking dick Mm. and I was like how you're behaving is not okay like I just like it was over text like this was not in person I was like this dude is probably like 99% percent chance this dude is reacting the same way as Mm -hmm. jerry did talking to his buddies being like this fucking crazy bitch like she said this shit to me did you think that her revenge plan you know getting drunk you know tricking men into taking her home thinking that she's drunk to like confront them not necessarily being violent because we find out that she's not being violent she's just confronting them and like calling them out on their shit was it effective do you think I don't think it was like that's that's why I was thinking about it I was like that's why it felt like in a way like it shouldn't but it did it felt sad to me where it's like you know she is putting in all this effort to like in a kind of like abstract way educate these people 
and just knowing my experience from like interacting with men and like doing a similar like assertion and trying to make myself heard and make myself understood like the reaction is just to like to rationalize is to just yeah. justify like their actions like McLovin was like I'm a nice guy I'm a nice guy I'm like boy you were shoving crack down her throat are you oh fucking God. kidding me or cocaine it wasn't crack um, he's gonna he's working on a novel but he just you know doesn't have time right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> that novel like idea was hilarious um so like specific and accurate it's like yeah. oh, it was really good but over the course of one night in new york what it's like yeah exactly what it's like what it means to be a man these days oh, give me a freaking oh break oh. read the great gatsby it's the same book um <laughs> i think which ironically carrie mulligan was also in the movie um true, true. I, I think i agree with you like i think i don't think it was they don't tell you what the different markings in her in her notebook mean like the different color markings I know that at one point you see that she has like a bruise on her hand to kind of, mm. to, to, to show that like not every night that she has with one of these guys is, goes without violence. Yeah. You know, like I was thinking about that. She's not it's going extremely dangerous it. for her. Yeah. Like she's this. not going into it unscathed every single time. Like sometimes mm-hmm. men react violently. Sometimes they react like Adam Brody, just looking like, oh shit. Like, you know, sometimes they act like McLovin being like, you're psycho. Um, I did nothing wrong once it's flipped around on them. So I think that it depends. I think in some cases it probably was effective and it made whoever it was kind of sit back. But this movie, like I said, is like, how do you react when you're confronted with like your own sin? You know, this movie was marketed as a, like a rape revenge thriller, which is like a really interesting genre of film in general to be, included in because you know when when I first saw the the trailer for this movie I thought it was going to be like a John Wick type thing where she was like you wax some dudes people and like which I probably would have really enjoyed as well yeah no like I was going to say because that's a very specific type of cathartic yeah experience that I had a really hard time relating to I never Mm -hmm. felt like that was it's representative of like a certain part of my experience as like a survivor, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it acknowledges the, the need for accountability and it's a fantasy ultimately, you mm-hmm. know? So like we have movies about rape revenge from like the beginning of film and some of the most popular ones kind of arose in the seventies and it's always very, very violent. Like you see the graphic nature of the assault itself, you don't see that in this film at all. You don't see any violence happen to Cassie outside of the ending or to mm-hmm. Nina. You don't see Nina at all. You just see photos yeah, of her exactly. as a child. The, the victim herself is not present in the movie, but in like the typical rape revenge, you see this like awful assault happen to the woman. It's supposed to act as like the Phoenix moment for the female heroine like she has to go through this in order to become like the strong badass that she'll become later to enact her violence on men but i cannot believe i'm making this comparison but this is like literally rosalie from twilight yeah no i have like she (laughs) no i have it written down i have like i spit on your grave kill bill red sparrow peppermint Mm -hmm. and rosalie yeah (laughs) but like you know rosalie obviously it's she's a vampire and it's a fantasy (laughs) world but like not attainable for women in real life. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to get that in pretty much 
99% of cases, you're not going to go violently attack your attackers and have no repercussions. You know, this is a very realistic kind of approach to the revenge thriller. She knows her limitations and therefore she isn't trying to work outside of them. She's just trying to go from individual to individual to try to make change. I just don't think like, as you said, it is like a fantasy. Like it's, it's unattainable, like for women to like get for the most part to get this type of revenge because, you know, even in her notebook, when she like attacks, like, or she not attacks, she like has hit dozens of dudes in reality, you wouldn't make it past like dude three, you know, if you were actually to try and attempt this sort of, I guess, scheme because men are violent, (laughs) you know, not all men are violent, (laughs) but men are violent. And, you know, you, you, the wrong one decides to pick you up from the bar and you go home and try and pull your spiel. And as you said, like it turns violent and it turns deadly violent. Like I'm not, I'm just, of course this movie isn't trying to be like, this is a great example of how you can stand up for yourself. Of course it's not saying that. Don't go to therapy, do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like I think it, I think it also is important to note that like everybody in this movie, you know, who knows Cassie, like who knows Cassie well recognizes that she's not doing great. Like she's not herself. And she hasn't been herself for like since her friend probably died, if not prior to when she was attacked and dropped out of med school. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a like that says a lot about our society is like that anger and grief and like is not um, an attractive quality in women. It's not an allowed quality in women. Like women are supposed to be happy and. Like, just like, yay, I'm having a good time. I'm so nice. Like, I don't have any problems to complain about. And she is just very much unwilling to deny her feelings or to, to like, pretend like everything's okay when ultimately, like, her best friend died. Right? Yeah, even Nina's mom was like, you, you need to let this go. And, like, in some ways, I'm sure she was trying to help Cassie being like, you know, this, like, it is unhealthy. But at the same time, it's like she what like, you know, nobody was really at least what from what we saw, nobody's really trying to like help Cassie process mm-hmm. like what she was going through. Like people were just like, this is a tragic event. Sucks that we couldn't we couldn't get the guy. Or even if they thought about that, they just were like, whatever. Um it's sad, but move on. In doing this, like in researching this film, I I heard Emerald Fennell talk about how like Cassie going out at night is like an addiction for her like Mm -hmm. she's addicted to trying to bring accountability because account accountability wasn't given to nina Mm -hmm. and so she's just trying to keep men accountable as much as she can even at the expense of her own well-being and well you know her own health and life you know ultimately so we start with number one uh madison mcphee Uh, Cassie invites her to a lunch, a very fancy lunch, pours Madison some champagne, wine, whatever, and pours herself some ginger ale, you know, classic, get the other person drunk while you look like you're drinking, but you're not, gets Madison extremely drunk and then decides to bring up, you know, what happened back in med school. I can, like, I am familiar with, like, Madison's character of, like, who she represents, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, oh, my gosh. When she, like, she, like, just had twins or whatever. And she, like, sits down. And she's, like, do you have children? And Cass is, like, no. And she's, like, 
you'll get there. I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, that was a trigger. <laughs> I'm like, Madison, you're, I already hate you. Um, so like, I, I do appreciate that like Madison felt like a, a human being kind of where she was like, I have my own struggles and like being a woman is hard and I recognize that. But then when this kind of, when like it comes to like that she did not like help Nina and she was like just as much to blame in the situation I don't know like that happens like there are plenty Mm -hmm. of women in the world who um just go along with it to protect themselves and so so I I appreciated like her that that role in this film Mm -hmm. but yeah I I don't like her (laughs) yeah that conversation kind of like hit too close to home like a few like two years ago like not to get deep, but like, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of women go through a very similar event. Like I was at like a work event. Um, a lot of the coworkers had left me and this other gal had stayed with a male coworker and one thing led to another. And he like groped me, like, luckily for me, it did not go beyond that. But the next day when I was like telling her about it, like she like was very dismissive. And I was like, can you just like like, you don't remember this. Like, you don't remember seeing it. Cause it was like very obvious. And she was like, no, I don't like, she kept, you know, you know, being yeah. in denial about it. And I was like, okay, well, if you don't remember, just like, forget, I told you anything because like, she was also the kind of person that was like a big gossip. So mm-hmm. I didn't want like it going around the office at that time. Cause it was like very embarrassing. Like for me, like I felt very embarrassed. Obviously I shouldn't have, but still. Yeah. So like when she was like, talking about like how she did like she obviously knew but didn't know that's like I felt the same way with like I I really felt that conversation out and like uh, also the scenes and like the bar with the co-workers and everything I was like oh this is like very similar to things that I have experienced and it was like infuriating I was like I would I would not do what Cassie did to get back at this yeah. girl but yeah. like but even like Madison their initial conversation is how she like partied and like did all the sex things and then she like got married and Settled is now down. a good girl or whatever mm-hmm. and she's like oh too bad your husband doesn't know and she's like well he doesn't need he doesn't need to know like won't kill him whatever so like, it, it insinuates this girl yeah like it insinuates that she like fucked and like had a good time in her youth or whatever but then as soon as it's nina and like she was raped she's like well if you have a if you people are know that you sleep around and you like have a background as a slut then like it's kind of expected that this is going to happen to you and it's like you literally have the same background as Nina what are you talking about after the event happened to me in college I had a few close girlfriends who were you know immediately around me that I tried to talk to about it and one of them straight up said well I knew something like that would happen to you because you like to drink sometimes and that I deserved it. And so it's like, it's very, very accurate that there's, you know, women are so beaten down by the patriarchy that they feel like they need to deflect it onto other women and make it their fault so that they can still be accepted by the nice guys, you know, so that they can still be accepted by the men who are committing these crimes even though it's, you know, disgusting and not our fault that these things happen to us when it's the men per- perpetuating it. 
there are women, definitely women like Madison, like these, you know, other girls that we've been talking about out there. It's just like a defense mechanism because like women have been so gaslit to believe that if something happens to you, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And thus you need to gaslight other people to like make sure your reality is reality. Mm -hmm. And like you, I'm the kind of person who's like, oh, if I have enough information, then I'll be okay. Like if I, if I know how to get out of a situation or whatever, then like nothing bad could happen to me. And like, that's not true. But um, <laughs> it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, you know that you shouldn't get like really drunk because something could happen to you. Oh, you know, you shouldn't like hang out with men alone because mm. they can't control themselves. Like, like Madison knows that and thus she can't be blamed or like, it's not her fault. It's that it's the victim's fault if something ha does happen because like she should already know. And I think part of it too, like I 100% agree. I think part of it is also a deflection and you don't want to believe that it could happen to you. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and so you try to push that away and by, you know, putting distance between you and something like that, it's easier to, to be like, well, I enjoy drinking, but I do it the right way. You know, like I enjoy drinking and like my friends would never do that. But you know, you don't know. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you don't know until it does. But then Cassie kind of flips the switch. Uh, this is when we see, we knew Cassie was pretty dark, but we didn't quite know how dark. And uh, this is kind of when she goes John Wick, but not full violent. Uh, she just- Like not murder, but like no, definitely down that dark alley. Just like mm -hmm. really twisted and not good. Not good, Cassie. She leaves Madison there super drunk um, and has pays a man to take her up to her hotel room. So that when Madison wakes up, she thinks that something might have happened with this strange man that she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. The levels of fucked up that that is, I, I was almost lost at that point in the movie. I was like, I cannot root for Cassie anymore at all. Like, yeah. But then, you know, later it's revealed that nothing actually happened. She was just trying to twist, you know, the situation around it's on still her. Still not great. Like, no, the, it's still not, not great. The mental, <laughs> the mental and emotional trauma that yeah. Madison then feels that's like fucking awful. Yeah, no, there's no getting out of it. Cassie, <laughs> Cassie did horrible things, but I was a little relieved that she didn't actually set her yeah. up for that. Yeah. Um, and like in my, like the way that like that exchange happened, I felt like it it was one of those, like just take her upstairs and and just sit there, but like, she was even taking a risk doing that. Yeah. Like she didn't, you don't know I mean, if the guy would actually do it. You don't, exactly. You don't know like what her relationship with this, with this dude is and like whether or not he's actually just going to take the, you know, 500 bucks and just throw this lady on a, on a bed and sit in the corner until she wakes up. Yeah. So she was taking a great risk hiring yeah. this guy to do that. So that's also Cassie like, doesn't have great trust in men. So it was like really risky. Um, yeah. That she like, who is this man? Yeah. <laughs> who are you? It doesn't matter. It really is a separate movie. Separate movie <laughs> about That's how so Cassie met this dude and like the events that happened after the luncheon. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was very surprised. Like I knew she wasn't like, hey, go up there and like do your thing. It was more like, you know, make it look sus yeah. and see what happens. And then we go from there to Dean Walker. But before we get to Dean Walker, she 
it looks like she kidnaps a child and she does she fully she does, kidnaps a child she does straight up kidnap a child yeah. and drops her off at a diner somewhere but when she goes to dean walker confronts her you know asks her if she remembers nina she doesn't remember nina but she does remember al monroe and what a great guy he was but then confronted with nina's assault uh, dean walker says you know this stuff happens all the time i can't believe every single case that comes in we don't want to ruin an innocent boy's life over these kinds of accusations oh my God. and then you know we this, i think this is when we find out that you know nina died i think mm-hmm. this is when she actually says it <sighs> this scene was like kind of cathartic i mean yeah. don't kidnap <laughs> <laughs> i want to go to the kidnap thing for a hot second like yeah, literally a hot pipe and hot second let's talk mm-hmm. about it because it is like it is they they literally just like poked it for like they like went boop and then they moved on this issue where like women can like this is a separate issue but women can be predators absolutely like she was she was preying on like and targeting this girl she like researched her background she figured out her obsession with like wet dreams which is hilarious (laughs) i love it it was so great but like she like targeted this girl like i know your obsessions i know how to get you in my car i know how to get you to give up my phone I know how to get you to do anything I want, even if it's not like a creepy, like sexual thing. Like it's still a violent, like act Mm -hmm. to like kidnap it, like to, you know, stalk online and like manipulate a young girl into getting into your car. So like in a way, like not to make this like some sort of like grand stretch, but like just as like these dudes are predators, like Cassie is a different kind of predator. Like, Absolutely. She's not a sexual predator, but she's like some like, you know, sociopathic revenge, you know, driven woman who like will do anything to get her point across. And that includes like preying on this young girl in order to suit her own needs. And that's just what these other predators do. They like prey on women to suit their own needs. The needs are just like vastly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they again they just like poked that they poked that bear bear didn't wake up completely but it like went like Rrr, and then like went back <laughs> um, but i like i even was like because like she looks so cute she's in this like mm-hmm. little she's car like chewing on and, candy the whole time very unassuming like very like helpless and you know like yeah you think about all the times you're like oh i'll help this like stranger because she's a woman and like, you know, women help women, women support women. But it's like the moment it's like, get in my car. Like, it is like crazy to think like, wow, I really need to take a beat and think about whether or not this like woman is trying to harm me. This like, because as we've seen, not every woman is out to like support, you know, their own gender. Yeah. <laughs> um, not all men, not all women. Not all women, <laughs> right. no. <laughs> so but then back to Dean Walker Hmm. yeah like she knew like this whole time she knew what boys men are capable of it wasn't until it was a personal issue that she was like okay like this is a fucking problem like Mm -hmm. that wasn't until her daughter was mentioned her daughter was theoretically dropped off with some boys and some alcohol that it became like a major threat and I feel like that's an issue for a lot of people. Yep. I mean, when the like sexual allegation, sexual assault allegations were happening with um, the Boy Scouts, and like I heard someone being like, "Where are all these like accusers coming from? Like, 
or who's paying them or whatever. And I'm like, these are actual children, but because they're not your children, you have no sympathy for them or you like don't believe them. You think mm-hmm. it's outrageous, but like they're, they're actual children. Like they have no reason to lie about this. And so I, I felt like with each person she goes and talks to, like they hit on a different aspect of rape and the impacts and stuff like that. And so I appreciated this conversation with Walker as she represented like institutions, mm, um, yes. like schools and their responses. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, yeah, that they're just like, this happens twice a week and we couldn't possibly do anything to like, that could harm the the potential reputation of our future doctors or, or whatever, like these men are going to be or whatever. But it's like another human being's life is like being traumatized right now. So how can you prioritize? It's just really annoying. I'm just, uh, makes me mad. And it was interesting. It was another woman. Like she was like, mm-hmm. like, as you said, she, I, I agree. She's representative of institutions, but she was also like representative of like, the laziness of like the justice system where it's like oh that's too hard to prove innocent Mm -hmm. until proven guilty and it's like how about just listen to the victim and actually you know do an investigation because you can bet your sweet ass that she heard nina's story or who and and any other woman or man's story who came in you know reporting a sexual assault and was like we'll look into it and then like asked probably just asked the perpetrator yeah hey, did you do this and they were like oh no nah, we definitely had <laughs> sex and then the dean was like that sounds good enough for me and then just yeah. let it go well like her you know you obviously see that she has no trust in college boys because as soon mm-hmm. as she hears that her daughter's in a room alone with a bunch of college boys she gets terrified yeah um and i think this scene in particular um kind of really hammers home the like title of the the movie like it's it's inspiration with the like Brock Turner case you Mm -hmm. know the promising young man like well we can't go around ruining young men's lives over he said she said situation like this and like in the Brock Turner case that's exactly what it was they didn't want to ruin his career his life because he was young and had stuff going on in his life but there was no regard for you know Chanel Miller and what she had going on in her life I know Katie and I read her book Know My Name is that what it's called I think it should be required reading yeah I do too in high schools like Mm -hmm. I I well Chanel Miller is just a fantastic artist in person like follow her on Instagram really cool um and like I I mean just her letter alone she wrote a letter came out inspired a tons of people but then she also wrote this book that just like tells her story across the entire, like her rape, her the um, trial and like after and her relationships with her, like her family and friends and all these different people in her life and how they responded to it. So I think I don't know, it's just like, her work is so honest and so mm-hmm. it's just so good. And yeah, I definitely think it should be required reading for everyone. But that's like, I thought this movie, like no one, they keep saying like, no one remembers Nina's name. They barely say Nina's name. You don't see her. And at the very end of the movie, when she's like, her name was written or your name was written all over her so that she no longer existed. Now you get to have her name written on you. 
and I feel like that's still true with Chanel Miller yeah. like people don't know like her, her her book is know my name and people still only know her as like the Brock Turner victim the Jane Doe of the Brock Turner yeah race. and so I I definitely like the entire film was thinking of her and just that like the erasure of the victim mm-hmm. um because the man is like the priority the entire time so I think it was a really I mean I've already said this I think it's just like a really good choice that she made to not include Nina we don't see mm-hmm. anything we don't like because because we aren't privy to the situation so we are learning all this information through someone adjacent to the victim that's that's true to life like we're not going to be privy to the incident itself. Therefore, it gives people more room to be empathetic to the men in this movie. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that with like certain men in our lives being empathetic with the men in this movie and like understanding like, oh, well, you know, it's understandable that they would react that way. She's being crazy. You know, I, a lot of the critiques that I've seen about this movie is saying that one, it was boring because she wasn't being violent. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> You want to see violent but but they say it's boring because she wasn't actually murdering them and that they thought they came into it thinking that's what it was and they they just wanted to come in and see this badass woman you know get abused and then abuse men then go that's, watch kill bill yeah okay. which is right. Right, bill. <laughs> and i feel like i feel like it would have just been a repeat of kill bill if she yeah. started killing hoes and then also that would have like in turn victimized the men mm-hmm. because like they would have been murder victims and like yeah you remember the murderer but like people are definitely much more like these days like assertive about like remember the murder mm-hmm. victims names like you know whenever there's a tragedy which is it feels like every day like people at least you know that I follow on the internet are like you know their know their names as well yeah. so it, it's like you know know the victims and then you know the person murdering them like their motive is like completely you know inane compared to like the the violent acts that they did like Mm -hmm. who the fuck cares why you're angry or why you're frustrated like you killed people like Mm -hmm. you took lives in a way like al monroe murdered nina like he stole her life and but nobody thinks of it that way because Mm -hmm. they were two separate events like his you know attack like him attacking her and then her death which is you know heavily implied was a suicide mm-hmm. due to what he did to her and like how it altered her forever i mean he literally did kill cassie but we'll get to that yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> um so do we have anything else to say about the dean walker scene no love the choice of casting though oh yeah oh absolutely oh no i do have something to say okay in that scene she's in her office yelling the women in the living in the wait living room women in the waiting room it's a house in in the den the women in the waiting room don't come in mm-hmm. and i i felt like that was really interesting because like you we're just taught to not get involved like also, you hear an argument and you're like man in there she hears she hears women like she hears a woman's voice pleading yeah so it sounds like they're used to hearing people get animated going in there mm-hmm. about like this. the the secretary I don't know secretary lady like literally um <laughs> like looked up like she was like kind of like looked up and smirked a little bit and then went back to what she's doing and I'm, I'm like, like mm-hmm, don't worry oh about that my god I like, interpreted it as like 
they knew another woman was in there so it couldn't possibly be be like a dangerous situation it was just like emotional like as you guys were kind of saying because like if I was the secretary and I knew that a man was in there and I heard some woman shouting I would probably be more concerned like truth be told like if a woman was in there there was shouting I'd be like they're just having an argument like I would be like oh maybe I shouldn't interrupt because that sounds personal like Mm -hmm. truly like I'm I'm being completely honest like but if I knew a man was in there I would be much more concerned you know we're constantly told to to not just to like mind your own business and you know if you intervene it could be dangerous which is very true but you know also there are certain situations where you gotta at least check just be like hey is everything okay just insert yourself some way to make sure that people are being safe Okay, so the Alfred Molina scene, the, you know, Cassie's character is named after the woman, the like Trojan uh, priestess from Greek mythology, Cassandra. She was a, you know, Trojan priestess who was cursed to only speak true prophecies, but never be believed. And I think that's obvious throughout the entire movie, but also obvious in the Alfred Molina scene. I don't know if I'm just like reading into this, but he was like, I was at work and I had an epiphany, but the doctors called it a psychotic break. Like he literally says, like, in my opinion, I had an epiphany, like I had a revelation, like a revelation. revelation. I woke up (laughs) and I like recognized what I was doing wrong. And I freaked out, like, because of how wrong it is. Like I destroyed people's lives and like, he had that emotional reaction that he should have, you know, and the doctors, the society told him that it was a psychotic break. And I felt like that was like women telling their opinions, being like, this is wrong. And people telling them they're, they're hysterical Yeah. or like, they're just, just not believing, just being like, it's that time of the month for you. Like mm. go rest, you know, like, and when you're ready to come back, then you can come back. But like the, only man in this film who acknowledged that like what was being done and like society as a general and like as a general statement was like wrong was being you know essentially like the moment he turned on like the norm he was treated the same way Mm -hmm. or a similar way as like you know the victims were like he was like he was "Eh, actually this is kind of fucked up and then like you know his doctors his colleagues who all benefit from this you know, assuming, you know, his doctors are male, whatever, like, it doesn't matter. Actually, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. You know, his doctors, his coworkers, like, all the people who still benefit from this way of life and this system are like, you kind of lost it, buddy. Like, that doesn't make any, like, why would you say that? You know, and you exactly. Right? You just need a break. You need a break. Go on mm-hmm. sabbatical. Yeah. We'll, we'll take care of everything. And they forced him out. Like, they forced him out. He couldn't, you know, make change from where he was because they literally were like, take a beat, go sleep on your couch. We'll talk to you in a few months. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. him trying to, him realize coming to Jesus, the like coming to Jesus moment and then realizing all the shit that he was involved in and trying, you know, wanting to make it right, but being told by his colleagues and medical professionals that he's just insane for yeah. trying to remedy the truth. This movie is like, not about seeking physical revenge but it's about like forgiveness and how there is forgiveness there's room for forgiveness in 
situations like this, but only if you're willing to confront it and acknowledge that you did something wrong. And most of the men in this film don't, except for um, Alfred Molina's character, who, you know, Cassie ultimately forgave and trusted to help her with her, you know, last last big hurrah at the at the end. Yeah. I felt like I feel like I related a lot to Cassie's character and mm-hmm. just like how angry she is. Like this, she herself was not raped, but essentially her best friend, her sister was. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had multiple people in my life who have been sexually assaulted, but I myself have been very fortunate to not have um, gone through that experience. And so like to have that connection to someone who's gone through such a traumatic experience and like not get closure from it to not be okay from it like I completely understood Cassie's rage and like her unwillingness to let it go mm-hmm. um and so I like I that's what I feel like I most appreciate in this film is just like someone even if she is like fictitious she got to like just let it out in the way yeah. that I could not during those times yeah um and when the lawyer like he did his speech and I was like okay this is not where I was thinking it was gonna go but like good you yeah. know um and then she's like okay like I forgive you and I felt like in myself I was like I don't know if I'm ready to forgive him like I don't know if him just being like oh I had a psychotic break and I realized what I did wrong and I'm so sorry about it like I'm like oh I like it's that's good mm-hmm. But I feel like I have my own, like, I don't know. I just, like, I was, like, I don't know if I'm ready to forgive this Well, the question is, is, like, is it for Cassie to forgive? Yeah. Because it wasn't, you know, her assault? Like, obviously, she is affected by it. But that's a question that is fair to bring up. You know, like, is it is it for Cassie, is it Cassie's place to forgive him when Nina isn't around anymore? Obviously, she's trying to act on her behalf because Cassie's no longer around. Or yeah, Nina's no longer around, but, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and after she forgives him, this is when we see her like parked in the middle of the road and we have that guy like come up next to her and is like yelling at her. And then she has her like break and like smashes his windows, but is obviously not okay. I didn't know like how I felt about that scene. Like I didn't know if it was really useful for like the plot. Like I, I related to the scene and I appreciated the music. Like it swells up and she's like, but it kind of felt like a, what is that word? Like a disassociative episode mm-hmm. where she's like in her head, some dude starts yelling or she like not even like, it's like sleepwalking. She like gets out of her car, smashes his window. He drives away and then she stands there and then you kind of see her like, like wake up and then get back in her car. So I didn't, I didn't know what, what to feel. I think um, for me, that kind of showed that she doesn't enjoy these things that she's doing. Like it's not, she doesn't get pleasure out of doing these things. She's still very broken and hurt. And like, she's not doing this out of pleasure. And so when she acts out against these people to get revenge, Um, And in this case, the asshole that's like being a complete dick to her on the road. But when she reacts that way and then he drives off and she's like defeated, 
And this is right after the lawyer apologizes, which is not what she was expecting going into that. So I think that's like the breaking point for her before she goes, really decides to like give it up and like fully focus on Ryan. But Mm -hmm. then that's when we get the, the video. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if that. Yeah, no, I agree. I get it. Let's talk about Ryan. Okay, let's talk about Ryan. <sighs> oh, my boy. <laughs> I love I guess, you. like Ryan is almost like my worst fear hmm. in a way. And, and probably in a way was like Cassie's like worst nightmare when she realized this guy that she had like, you know, I'm sure she it was hard to trust Ryan, but like she put her like faith and her trust and like she really invested like she said she was falling in love with him like they had a like great chemistry like everything about you know ryan seemed to be like what she wanted and ideal and he was you know making her like he was like making her see like the you know other wonderful things in life you know outside of like he was respecting her boundaries yeah i don't mean to be creepy or we're just I'm really into you like he drank her spit yeah Mm. like he like he starts (laughs) off as like just like the perfect like not perfect everybody has imperfections but like the ideal nice respectful normal you know cute funny guy that like every girl wants or most most women want and then like to realize that he had and he was bore witness and subsequently gave no fucks about like the most horrifying thing that ever happened in your life yeah is like earth shattering you Mm -hmm. know and then when confronted about it completely completely flipped a switch and completely became a different person Mm -hmm. like he was like well I was a kid like you know like all those all that respectful shit he was saying was like it felt like niceties it just felt like you know placating it was almost like he he was reading a script like he he meant it in a way but like it almost also felt like he was reading a script like this is what i say to women in order to get them to trust me and then the moment I, like the trust is gone he he showed his true colors that's how i and- i don't i don't feel like he was disingenuous in no, that relationship like i feel like that is who he is but this part of him is also who he is and like they focus a lot on the Friday culture in society, but Bo, Bur- Bo Burnham is there for the men who are like, oh, I'm not Friday. I don't relate to this. But it's like, okay, well then your character is supposed to be Bo Burnham who does everything right, but then is still has this toxic nature in him because of I like can- how we're raised, how, how our society is built. Like you just have it unless you actively confront it he provided the movie with an element of like a romantic comedy almost like Mm -hmm. he turned the movie into a romantic comedy at a certain point and the audience kind of forgets that like this was a supposed to be a rape revenge thing no i really did i was like i was like you just kind of i was oh like i'm so happy that that she found him and that they can you know she can find happiness and start to become herself again like if you but just then, find the right man, your life's yeah. gonna be fine. And it's like, no, 
that's that was like an actual twist yeah because I like that I did not see coming because I was Mm -hmm. like because but I knew but I also knew like it was too good to be true I was like yeah something's gonna trigger her like something's gonna like bring this all back to what we started with I didn't think it would have anything to do with Ryan like I really was in this false sense of security Mm -hmm. I was like oh but he's so cute like he's gonna have her back with like whatever you know whatever she ends up needing to do I thought maybe like obviously Ryan was invited to the wedding, but like maybe she would get an invitation or like something like that where she's like- a red wedding situation? Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) She goes full Game of Thrones, just annihilates the Starks. Um, (laughs) But no, it was like really like pulled me out of, like it really pulled me out of that rom-com. And I was like, I was like, I I gasped. Like when I heard his voice, Yeah, I was like- I didn't see it coming. Like I was like in the same position as Cassie where I was like, I was like, wow, like finally like a decent guy that you can Mm -hmm. rely on. And again, this isn't to say that every decent guy you come across is going to like, has this dark past or like is going to ruin you. But again, the, like the casting was intentional, like intentional and it was scary. Like I really was Mm -hmm. like, for a hot minute, I was like, no one can be trusted. Like I felt like Cassie where I was like, okay, like, all bets are off. Like, I think that was the moment where she was like, no, I cannot trust anyone in this world. I felt myself starting to make excuses for him. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, really? I wanted, I wanted him to be the nice guy. I wanted him to like be all the things I love about him. And like, just to go back to like the nice place that we were at, like two scenes Yeah, before. exactly. And just, I, I don't know, it just I showed kinda, like, I was feeling where it's like, I wanted the tape not to be discovered Mm -hmm. because I didn't want it to be ruined. But once it was discovered, it's like, you can't, you can't ignore that. And it just shows like how ingrained it is. Like even Mm -hmm. in, like I've had real world experiences with this where I have been around people who have been raped and sexually assaulted. And like, I understand, don't blame the victims. Don't make excuses for people's behavior. Like I I know all those things, but it's still ingrained in me to be like, no, no, he was too young. Like he's changed. I've changed since I was that age. And like, I don't know, there's still so, so much work to be done in everyone and not just, it's not, it's not just men who need to fix this situation, but like they do need, they have a lot of work to do. But like, there's (laughs) a lot of stuff. Our entire culture needs to visit this and have these important conversations. Yeah. So I guess from there, we can dive right into the ending. We've been working our way. We're going to wait here. Are we ready, ladies? <laughs> we've been oh even fighting the urge to just dive right into the ending. Yeah. Play the toxic song. Okay. Okay. When she <laughs> so good. gets out of the car and that string quartet of toxic starts playing, I'm like, mm. this is mm, like mm, mm, mm. probably one of the most iconic things I've ever seen. Um, that look that wig that makeup was everything I wanted from this movie because it's in the trailer and Mm -hmm. I was like where is this look where is this nurse outfit it's her joker moment yes I was like where is it and the moment I saw that wig first of all like Halloween costume I'm I'm absolutely absolutely. that's that's the thing I was like oh well I'm a feminist and I don't have to be sexy for Halloween but that's like I want that but like I'm already ordering the wig yeah Um, So when she gets to the door and Schmidt opens the door, all of the men in the bachelor party are wearing blue. I don't know if you noticed that. Just a fun, fun fact. What does um, it mean? I don't know. I think it's just like the boy color. I don't know. Okay. I like 
like that? Because she's very colorful. She, you know, she's got her rainbow wig and, and is full of the personality that we know. And we come in and they're all like monotone. They're all the same. They're all the same. I noticed like they're all wearing like jeans or khaki, like mm-hmm. a very basic like mm-hmm. dude outfits, like straight yeah. boy outfits. Yeah. And so then she pretends to be a stripper and has them all get down on their knees and pours vodka into their mouth that's been laced with something. She takes Al Monroe upstairs. He's very sweet and very, I don't want to do anything. I respect my fiance, you know, like we can just talk and whatever. Um, She handcuffs him to the bed and then she starts to kind of reveal her plan. Part of me, so part of me is like, she definitely like knew there was a chance she was not going to make it out because Mm -hmm. it's a house full of dudes. Mm -hmm. She's pretending to be a stripper. (laughs) So she got lucky in the sense that like she was able to drug all those other guys. And like, so she probably thought she was getting away with it, like getting away as in like, she wasn't going to get killed, but you know, the faulty handcuffs like was like a chink in her armor. So I feel like she kind of like, she didn't fail, but she kind of did in a way where she like, she didn't get to do like the, the name, like she didn't get to like fulfill her plan. And it was interesting when I was watching this, one of the individuals I was watching it with when Al Monroe like started to smother her went, oh, that's fight or flight mode. And I was like, interesting. Well, that is, that's part of the scene that that's intentional um, because this is the first time that we see Cassie bring violence into, into the room essentially, mm-hmm. which is why I don't believe that she was going in completely believing that she was going to make it out. I don't think, I don't think she was suicidal. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that she was unaware that that was a possibility either, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she knows she knows how dangerous it is to be alone in a room with a man, and to threaten them without violence, to bring you know a physical weapon into the room. You know that's why that's why women don't don't threaten men with violence because it can easily be turned against us, and that's what happens in the scene. Um, I'm curious, like, what your first reaction was when that happened like when she got smothered i feel like i i appreciated the length of the scene mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they do not let you look away from it they're like just violence towards women mm-hmm. and like that's what the whole movie's about so the scene goes on for a really long time which i appreciated i didn't know if i wanted like i i was like it makes sense that she died because that is what would happen in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I didn't know like what was gonna happen. So I was like, fuck, like the dude just gets away with it again. And then I was like, she was threatening to hurt him. So I understand his freak out to like defend himself. But then at what point could he have made the decision not to kill her? Mm-hmm. At what, yeah, at what point did it stop? Was it not being self-defense? Stop being self-defense. And did he realize, like, if she gets out alive, like, she can really do damage to me? Like, at what point was it, like, she's trying to hurt me, I'm trying to stop her? And does it become, like, I'm trying to keep her from ruining my life? Mm -hmm. I felt like he killed her for all those reasons. Mm -hmm. Not just because he was scared in that moment, but I, I feel like he was, like, just stop moving is like because that's what he kept saying just stop moving it was like his way of being like 
just disappear from my life again. Let me mm-hmm. live a normal life without having to think about this anymore. Because he's the only one that knew Nina's name mm-hmm. when she said yeah. it. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad. It's it's sad that I can have so many, like I can relate to Al Monroe, but at the same time, I hate him. And mm-hmm. I can relate to Cassie, but at the same time, I think she's wrong. And like, there's just so many emotions piled on top of each other which I, I think is awesome like it's that's the beauty of storytelling you know and like this film, like it's great but I just don't don't know well what I thought was interesting about like you know the whole scene and the whole like sequence one was like it really does show how long it takes to like suffocate someone just but- quick interjection on that point Emerald Fennell's father-in-law um like was a detective or something and she asked him like how long does it take to suffocate somebody and it's approximately two and a half minutes and that's how long that shot was really I didn't I mean I didn't time it but that's crazy mm-hmm. but to like what you were saying about like you know Al Monroe and all that is like I mean I again I relate because it is like you don't know how you would react if like <laughs> you were being threatened with like this the sins of your past like you know granted like hopefully we haven't done anything as egregious or as like detrimental as like what Al Monroe did but like you know brought forth to light like you don't know how you'd react like if you something you've suppressed for so long comes back to like bite you the night before you get married the night before you're supposed to start your happily ever after but what I found like interesting and like sad about the scene was like well the scene and then like you know the subsequent scene where like Al Monroe does get arrested like he does get justice I'm skipping ahead a little bit um was like the only time Cassie and then subsequently you know theoretically Nina because now they have the tape get justice Mm -hmm. is like when a murder happens like when a (laughs) when a higher brow if you will if you'll let me be so bold to say like a higher brow like a higher valued quote-unquote crime takes place like when something more egregious, I, I'm, I'm like throwing, these are all- No, answers. absolutely. There's like, um, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and they talk about like the less dead. So like women who are raped and commit suicide, uh, sex workers who are murdered, like yeah. they are less dead. Those are crimes that like people don't care about as much because people don't care about women. <laughs> like if you're uh, effeminate, like you're just not worth as much. Yeah, like it's just like you're not as important as a promising young man in his life. It is very like conflicting because you're like, mm-hmm. it is self-defense, but like what point does it stop becoming self-defense and start becoming self-preservation? Mm-hmm. And then when Schmidt, <laughs> Joe, I think is the character's name, <laughs> when Joe rolls up and is like, the conversation between okay. Joe and Al. When he says, it's not your fault, and then Al goes, I think it kind of is though. <laughs> he's like I don't know what kind of looks like it I don't know what kind of is I love the bit where Joe was like come on the stripper's dead in your bed what is this the 90s and then like he pulls back the pillow because he's a doctor like he knows yeah. like he's like when he was like touching he was like ha ha uh, ha 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 mm-hmm. and then pull back the pillow and he was like what the fuck like why is this like when he was like why is the stripper dead <laughs> it's perfect schmidt and new girl like I, it's the same character just you know less fun but yeah so. the conversation was like very like 
it was, of course it was the writing there was very intentional where it was like this isn't your fault this she came and did this to you like you were defending yourself like it was very like echoing of probably what so many people have said so many friends so many relatives have said to victims of sexual assault you know like and it's true like i mean all that's true to victims of sexual assault where like this is not your fault this is like something that somebody did to you who could not control themselves or whatever but like but on the flip side of that i think that's exactly what people say to the rapists and the assaulters Mm -hmm. like i'm sure that's what brock's family said to him um she didn't do anything out of proportion she just needs to forgive you and move on Mm -hmm. um you don't have to do anything in order to earn that forgiveness she just needs to get over it you know that's true too i mean i didn't i didn't think of it in this in watching it i didn't think of it that way i was thinking like the contradiction of that conversation Mm -hmm. between these two dudes who obviously are are about to do something more horrible than what has already happened which is that's like the, the the entire conversation of this movie like we see these nice guys that like men watching this can can see themselves in these men but then when they do something wrong they you know make excuses for those guys like oh well you know it's not really their fault she she like attacked them they you know Mm -hmm. whatever like make excuses so to get themselves out of culpability and blame and like I feel like people like would see this conversation and be like oh well I would never cover up the murder with them but it's like "Mm, I don't know like everyone likes to think they would not you know Mm -hmm. but like if that is your best friend and like it's a really scary scary situation like you want to care for the people in your life I don't know like I thought of uh goodbye Earl by the chicks formerly known as the Dixie chicks but they've changed their name um where it's like they're two women best friend and they like team up to kill the abuser and it's like it's a funny song and you're like yeah go team but like they did commit murder and (laughs) it's because like they're best friends you know and so like that's kind of the same in this situation where it's like they're best friends Schmidt was willing to be an accessory to a crime she was an object she wasn't an actual person with like family and a life outside of being a stripper for them that one night exactly so it's just kind of like how real it is like Mm -hmm. it's very easy to be like I would never do that but if you really think about it like you don't know things are hard and it's important to like have these conversations with your friends and family and yourself to like really figure out who you are and so they, um, they burn her body and we hear the um, Something Wonderful song. And then uh, we go, that was um, originally going to be the ending after they mm-hmm. burned the body. That was, that's where it was going to be cut off. That'd wow. be way too dark for me. Yeah. I'd be really So uh, <laughs> the production companies were kind of like, hey, um, we got to leave them with something a little hopeful. <laughs> very realistic but very dark yeah like i appreciate that emerald was very realistic in that way but i also appreciate the production people being like i'm too sad (laughs) (laughs) do you take because originally when she wrote the there was a time in the process of this movie forming um that emerald thought that cassie would have her walking away from the burning Uh, cabin moment you know she got her violent revenge and that's how the movie would end on a really cathartic note but then what ended up in the script was a very different ending where 
it ends with them burning her body. So now we kind of get a best of both worlds <laughs> with a somewhat cathartic wedding sequence. Um, how did we feel about this part? The wedding sequence slayed me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I wanted to touch for like a hot, a hot second on the burning body scene. Cause it's like, it was like, cause I mean like Schmidt's in it. Like it was, it was kind of funny. Like I was kind of mm-hmm. laughing when he would like chuck the wig on and he's just like, like, it's like, it's like he's standing oh. on his lawn, like observing the day. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a human one, you know, like that was his face where he's like, hmm, like taking in the weather or whatever, mm-hmm. not like burning a corpse. Um, and, and, you know, Al Monroe was like, like, and he kicks, um, Joe kicks the foot or her hand back into the, the pyre. And, you know, Al's like, like, he's so sickened by like what they're doing. And it's like, okay, well, you, you started this buddy, like, <laughs> yeah, talk you no, in. No, absolutely. Like he, at any point could have turned himself in and right. said he's going along with it. So I just thought it was interesting that it was like kind of a comedic moment, like just like the music, like it was like the very like, like lofty, like, yeah, the song from um, The King and I, like anytime like a modern movie has like some older like song in it, it is kind of like a funny scene. And then they, you know, burning the body and they're like the expressions, like the, the timing, like it was all very comedic to me. And I did like, I kind of chuckled, like, you know, when he like yeeted the, wig onto the fire I was like it just made me laugh it was like I feel like this was the most like like it the movie calls itself a, a black comedy or whatever a dark comedy um and I feel like I didn't get that a lot through the movie but I did in this scene mm-hmm. where it is like it's a very serious thing but you're also kind of like wow Schmidt so funny <laughs> but and the like, wedding itself just running away at me. the end yeah the, like oh yeah the running character. away that was the best that made no but just so like funny. the wedding and how like ridiculous a, it is like they're drumming and shit like oh my goodness it was like very like rich white people yeah. having a back like their interpretation of a backyard wedding wait um, pause can we talk about ryan not being truthful when the cops come to his office yes. for just like oh, a hot second that- when that scene like so when they were burning like the body and I knew like when the cop came in like so the burning body happened and the cop came in to talk to Ryan and I literally said the first time I watched it to my roommate I said I was like I really hope Ryan redeems himself like I really Mm -hmm. hope he comes forward and at least says where she went Mm -hmm. at least like gives them that much information and he didn't and the cop was even kind of like I felt like the cop was leading him on like the cop was kind of like giving him a lot of details so he could dig himself out of it yeah was kind of like yeah exactly kind of just like I have he was telling him a lot of information about the case that Mm -hmm. I was like that's not what a good detective would do right as a good detective myself right yes Um, (laughs) as as a fellow member of law enforcement (laughs) I listen to true crime podcasts. I know. Um, yeah, I was very disappointed in uh, the detective, and I was very disappointed in Bo Burnham. But I was also I, like, "This is probs how it would go down." Because I feel like Ryan kind of knew if she's missing, she's probably dead. Like he he knew that the people she was going up against, the number of dudes she was going up against. And it was kind of like a moment where he was like, oh, this is over. Like I can, 
I can just say, I don't know what happened and they don't have any proof. Otherwise I'm good to go. Like the phone, they probably, she probably took the phone with her, you know, whatever. Like he, in that split second, he had that moment where he was like, I can do, I can work with this. Yeah. And again, that's why like Ryan as a character is so scary to me. Like in general, like anybody could be like this. It's not just like about, you know, the movie itself. It's like anybody could immediately be like, I don't have to take accountability. I don't have to accept responsibility for like my actions if the problem went away. But then it was so, so good when you hear the sirens and the, the Angel of the Morning song is playing and you're just like, yes. Well, the thing about the ending is like, this is what um, has been so controversial for people. Mm-hmm. Either they loved the movie and they hated the wedding sequence. They thought that it ruined the entire movie for them. And the first time I watched it, I kind of felt that way because I was like, this is cheesy. Like, this is like, yeah, I don't know about this. Like, it felt very, uh, what is that phrase? Like the ex machina oh, yeah, yeah. type thing where you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, our main character has enough foresight and knowledge and like planning to uh, create justice immediately. Like, it's so happy how that worked out perfectly. And just like, yeah, that's the probably women not died how in order for, happened. In order for the cops to get involved, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But for her to like send the tape to the lawyer and like have scheduled the texts, which mm-hmm. don't know if that's true. <laughs> so the scheduling of the texts, I did think about that a lot where I was like, okay, how did she know? Like she was like, obviously she was prepared. Like she understood like the risks that she was taking on going into the situation, but she was, how did she know she was going to like die? And I think she, I think it was one of those things where she planned all this out after she confronted Ryan and he turned on her essentially. And I think she was like, well, even if I do come out alive, like I don't want any more actual communication with him. So I'm going to do this in advance. I'm going to give the tape to the, uh, to the lawyer. And then if I, you know, in the event that I do make it out alive, like I can contact him and and together we can go from there. So I think, I think it was kind of like a contingency of like, will I, won't I make it out? And if I don't, hopefully this works out. He gets this ominous message like, haha, you thought this was over. It's not. But if I do make it out, it's the final contact. Like, haha, you thought this was over. It's not. I'm still alive and I'm going to come for your ass because you yeah. obviously didn't redeem yourself. I, yeah, I was wondering like, did she schedule a text and be like, hey, if I survive, like, I'll come back to cancel them. <laughs> no, I think, I think it was like, those are going out whether They're she going out no matter what and she and she's like that's the last I have to do with Ryan like Mm -hmm. whether he sees it or not like I have made my I have planned it so either way it kind of works it definitely works more if she dies (laughs) in kind of a fucked up way because it's definitely more like from beyond the grave like I'm coming down and I'm snatching your ass and you're going to hell um but if she lived like it would have been more like a fuck you you'll never hear from me again but I wanted you to know on the day of the wedding that I gotcha yeah and then the uh I think it's interesting you know I mentioned it earlier about how like the police showing up at the end is not like a yay the police are here to save the day Mm -hmm. like a lot of people are interpreting it that way like Mm. we know that the cops don't do anything so like why are they the heroes at the end it's like they're not they didn't do anything like they came in at the last second after two women had already died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and I think that it's interesting that she knew not to take what she had found to the police. She took it to a lawyer who was well-respected. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was well-respected, who they would listen to him. I agree. I agree. Just all around great. <laughs> yes. I know. We can kind of try to end on a happier note and talk about the colors and the aesthetic of the movie. Beautiful. Mm. Gorgeous. I mean, Um, it is very much like I care a lot where, mm -hmm. you know, the pro, I don't even want to say that the antagonist, anti-hero, if you will, like character that, you know, we're following through this, you know, journey Mm -hmm. is like very put together, very attractive, very like, and everything around her is like beautiful and bright and, and sunny but she has this dark like undercurrent like her like everything under the surface is like so dark and so like tortured and so like in some ways malicious like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speaking about both movies I care a lot and um promising young woman and it kind of begs the question for this movie who is the promising young woman was it was it Cassie or was it Nina was it is it both is it all women who have faced this this issue like they're all like these all the women you know, who have been affected by something like this, who have had their lives ruined, they're promising young women too. Like mm-hmm. Brock Turner isn't like fucking God's gift to earth. I will, I will shout that from the rooftops. <laughs> um, but he's given this like demigod title essentially of like, he can't, he can't be punished. He's like, he know, has so much to offer. He has so like, much to offer. As so does to- every other person who's been a victim of rape and sexual assault like exactly. they also have so much to offer yeah the the rapist the assaulter should not be the priority yeah they are um, they they show no promise except for nefarious deeds out on the streets i do think people can change and yeah. i think there needs to be conversations and work done um for change to happen but yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think this movie is ultimately about forgiveness and when you deserve it, you know, like if you are willing to look yourself in the mirror and take responsibility for things that you've, you know, done or have been a part of, then there's room for that forgiveness and there's room for that growth. And for you as a person who's committed something to be you know, still be a promising young man or woman but you have to acknowledge what you did first and atone for it you can't just demand forgiveness yeah um or expect it yeah, yeah exactly yeah so the entitlement i think is a big part of this movie and you know i appreciate uh the nuance in this movie and the conversations that it's starting and that's why i really really liked it but um overall do, what are what are your guys's favorite like what's your favorite thing about this movie and what's your least favorite thing and then we can wrap it up ah I think my favorite thing about this movie is just like how obvious but not Mm -hmm. all like my favorite part was just like the obvious choices like they would be obvious to like women or like other victims of sexual assault like the choices that were made like the nice guys the cab driver not really giving a shit, you know, like all these people who like understand these things happen, but it doesn't happen to them. So they don't give a fuck. And like 
the conversations had and like how they're so real and so like commonplace yet this issue still continues to happen I would say my least favorite part I wanted to know a little bit more about I like that Nina wasn't in it like I like that there was no actual like physical representation of Nina but part of me wishes that there was like a little more about her so I wanted more a little more of Nina but like that's like my major critique tbh yeah I love I just love the complexity of the film all the different layers of emotion that you're supposed to that you feel about these characters that they they aren't super like one-dimensional they do have they they offer different layers and can relate to people differently depending on their own personal experiences so I appreciate that and the unapologetic like femininity of the film I love mm. that and then but then the writing at times was just in and out for me like there were scenes that I really loved I felt like it was strong and then there were other scenes where I was like mm, like it's kind of taking me out of kind of taking me out of it and I don't know like like there are what I saw let me know if I'm wrong there were only two people of color in this film mm. one of them was Laverne Cox which yes I love <laughs> Laverne Cox like ugh, she's so good she's so mm. cool and while I liked her character I was disappointed yeah um I just I felt like she was just the token black best friend not I, she's a trans woman and like she doesn't have to talk and educate people about trans rights and stuff like in everything she does you know but I like trans women are so abused in this world that I was kind of disappointed that the narrative was still very much like white heterosexual so like and I don't know like maybe they had those conversations but I felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity for me. Um, I think um, that's a fair critique. I mean, that's, it's a very real thing. And it's, you know, when there's only two people of color in a movie, it's hard not to notice. But yeah. I do think that this was Emerald Fennell's story that she wanted to tell. And I think she knew that if she were to try and tackle like, say, if, if Cassie was a black woman, this is a very different story. Because there's yeah. a layer of you know, systemic racism on top of the patriarchal issues that are being tackled in this movie. So I think she knew that like, she wasn't the right person to tell that story. Mm -hmm. And there are women out there, women of color and trans women out there who are, you know, rising up in this industry that will get to tell those stories. I think that in this particular case, you know, it might've been a missed opportunity. We could have had a little bit more of Laverne Cox's character. Yeah. Um, like, given her a little bit more depth and involvement yeah. in the story maybe but I don't think it takes away too much from the story that was being told you know what I mean yeah um but I, I totally I totally get that that critique yeah and I think like the sad part is like I feel like the scenes with Laverne Cox like with Gail like the character I feel like they were the most disjointed and not to her, not to her fault. Like, you know, she, she was hilarious. Like she did a great job. I think it was just like, it was almost like the character itself. I was like, she was, when she was talking to Ryan, um, Bo Burnham, when she was talking like, why are you killing children? Like it was supposed to be funny, but I was like, 
I was like, this is kind of just weird. Like I was yeah. just kind of like, I get it. It's supposed to be like the awkward, like you meet the friend before the first date or whatever, like interaction. But I was like, I, I was like, I feel like it could have gone in a different direction. And then the other scene um, where she came in and she was like, I got to get the phone. Like, just kidding. Bye. Like, I was like, I mean, it was cute, but at the same time, I was like, I felt like it like took me out for a hot second. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, so I feel like, I feel like Laverne Cox, fan- phenomenal, like wonderful, would have loved to see more of her in the film to make it more cohesive because like like you said like I really felt like it was kind of just those token moments where Mm -hmm. you're just like here's a little spite like here's a little like splash of Laverne you know what I mean and I feel like that was that's just like the writing of the film Mm -hmm. I felt like the the writing had some issues for me yeah I agree with everything that's been said I think um I really I really I already said appreciate the complexity and nuance of it I think that it's a beautiful film um the soundtrack is iconic and perfection honestly that's probably my favorite thing that's not already been said it's just the soundtrack um Mm -hmm. it's a good one uh, it is um, it's it's amazing it actually probably is my favorite part of the movie was the soundtrack because it just sticks with you it's just like so tailored perfectly to the to the movie um my least favorite thing the ending was a tiny bit cheesy for me even though i you know i understand the motive behind it um I think it's just the like emoticon being like wink you know yeah. that at the end I, yeah little, that little last too, I was like I don't feel like Cassie's too... a, a winky kind of person mm-hmm. I feel like if it was like the the arrow and the three that would have been like yeah. maybe more her speed mm-hmm. yeah but that's I like I me being nitpicky I don't know <laughs> yeah I mean this is just me being nitpicky because I'm trying to find something that I don't like because I love almost everything about this movie but uh, with that, we've been going for like three hours, so we can probably <laughs> wrap up this episode of another Picture Show podcast. Katie, thank you so much for yeah. coming and chatting with us. Thanks uh, for having me. I hope you come back and do it again sometime soon. Yes. Um, I get love our Katie time. All the time, so. <laughs> um, Madeline, thank you for chatting with me again, as always. Of course. Uh, this is the favorite my favorite part of the week so all, all of I our, our hot takes and big thoughts on movies I s- we need if we, <laughs> if we get big enough we do merch like I'm this gonna is, trademark that trade. I'm gonna I'm slogan. gonna change our Instagram to say hot takes and big thoughts yeah oh Good. I like that yeah um yeah so thank you guys both for for chatting I know this this was a, a heavy one but I'm glad that uh we had this so discussion. go read know my name by Sean yes. Miller if you yes. haven't um absolutely yeah. And then write, comment, like, subscribe, follow. <laughs> <laughs> just, just anyone. Just, just anyone. support the pod. Support yeah. Okay. So you can, please. if you enjoyed this conversation, you can listen to us on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google podcasts, on Apple podcasts, all the places. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at another picture show and at, on Twitter at, at another pick pod. Comment below what you guys thought about the movie. Um, you know, DM us if you have suggestions for movies you want to hear us talk about. And we love any feedback that we get. So there are so many platforms. You literally have no excuse not to engage. Right. With that, I will say good night. I love you, ladies. Love you. Bye. I love Bye. you.